0: Kia and welcome to the Dawn Chorus on Wednesday the 28th of July. I'm Bernard Heckey for the Kaka. I wanted to focus today on what's happening in global markets, particularly in New York and Hong Kong around Chinese tech shares, some of which are listed in uh, the United States, although it's unlikely any more will be, because there's been a crackdown by the Chinese Communist Party on the big Chinese tech companies. You may ask, why should we care about this? A lot of those tech companies don't operate in New Zealand. And, uh, uh, you know, this is shares that um, not everyone owns. Well, it is worth looking at as a symptom of a wider series of issues in the global economy, which do affect us. So overnight, uh, the shares in a company called Tencent, which owns WeChat, and WePay, which you might be more aware of, because uh, WePay is a system that um, many tourist and hospitality places in New Zealand actually take, and it's a very um, clever system for uh, people from China to pay for goods and services, and is very widely used in China, um, not just as a payments platform, but as a Twitter-like discussion and instant messaging platform. Well, its shares fell sharply in New York overnight after uh, it was forced by the government to suspend all new registrations of WeChat to comply with new regulations. It's also been banned from the exclusive ownership of music rights. Now, why why is this happening? Well, the broader picture here is that China's Communist Party is cracking down on these big tech groups, the likes of Eli, Alibaba, Alipay. Uh, um, we've also seen it with a company called Meituan, which is the Uber Eats equivalent in China. Because the Chinese government, particularly around payments, um, is worried that it may lose control of these big tech giants, which, as we've seen in the in the West, are becoming, in some cases, bigger than governments. Well, in China, nothing is bigger than the government, and any suggestion that uh, some of these platforms could um, dictate to the Chinese government or allow discussion that was politically sensitive or um, become the main payments platform, effectively uh, able to control in some way China's currency and financial system. Well, that's just not going to fly in Xi Jinping's China. And so just in the last two or three months, we've seen significant numbers of these crackdowns and regulatory changes and also effectively bullying of um, many of the CEOs of these big tech companies to stand aside or to go into hiding. We've seen that with Jack Ma, who is the most prominent of the tech uh, um, billionaires in China. Uh, He's in charge of Alibaba. So you may know it as AliExpress or Alipay. And um, you've seen it elsewhere as well with a bunch of other uh, companies. Now, um, this is part of a theme we're seeing increasingly in the uh, the world of geopolitics. Clashes between tech companies, which in many cases are bigger and more powerful than individual countries and certainly able to play countries off against each other. And if they're tech companies working in democracies, they can also be very effective at blocking regulation and screwing the scrum of Governments and regulators, for example, Facebook, Google and Amazon are now the largest funders of lobbyists in the United States. And so far, various governments' efforts to crack down on, um, interfere with um, uh, information flows, uh, break up, um, make them pay tax, that hasn't really worked in Europe and the United States Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft have all managed to push back on efforts to get them to pay more tax or to restrict um misinformation on those platforms, or um in many cases to um you know uh, avoid um squeezing out competitors. The antitrust area is a particular Uh, a particularly interesting one that um, Western governments will have to come to terms with. Now, obviously in China, there is no debate. Uh, If the Chinese government wants something to happen, in particular Xi Jinping wants something to happen, it happens, and there is no argument. And uh, that's a different approach to what we have in the Western world, and it means that um, we're starting to see the bifurcation, the um, breaking up if you like, of the global internet into at least two spheres, if not three. Um, you've got the Chinese internet, uh, the um, I suppose you could call it the American internet, and increasingly you're seeing the European Union be a bit more successful and aggressive in cracking down on these tech giants. Um, it is uh, using its uh, antitrust authorities, the sort of Commerce Commission-style powers to uh, try to control um, Facebook and Google, stop them from using their uh, network monopoly powers to squeeze out competitors or to unfairly um, punish those who are working with um, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. And you'll continue to see these attempts to try and squeeze back or push back at the tech giants whether, who wins in the end? Well, we'll see. Um, I think it's going to be one of the great clashes of the next couple of decades in the Western world. But in China, the government always wins. Um, it's worth keeping an eye on too, because uh, it extends into other areas. It's not just a commercial or a tech issue. It's a geopolitical issue, as we've seen with um, China's uh, backing of state-sponsored hacking. Um, New Zealand uh, joined with the United States, Britain, the European Union, Australia, a couple of weeks ago in pushing back against the state-sponsored hacking, which it appears um, was responsible for some of the problems we've had with, for example, the Waikato DHB. And uh, also there's other issues inside China where New Zealand is increasingly having to stand up and say, uh, no, that's not great. You've got the persecution of the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. That's going to make it difficult for many New Zealand companies to import Cotton and clothing and solar panels from Xinjiang. America is increasingly, and the United and the European Union is increasingly looking to impose sanctions on um, China's uh, um, persecution of the Uyghur people. It's also breaching maritime laws and sovereignty rules in the South China Sea, um, building new <laughs> islands uh, in places that wasn't able to previously. And of course, the removal of the remaining democratic protections in Hong Kong. And we had a milestone overnight with the first uh, prosecution of a protester in Hong Kong by the new Chinese-run legal system, a guy sentenced to prison for riding on a motorbike in a protest and waving a flag. So it's worth keeping an eye on this. Um, not so much because uh, these tech platforms are involved here, although they have been, and um, many people will use Alibaba, AliExpress, AliPay, WeChat. Uh, particularly, New Zealand companies selling into China, and we've seen the um, decline of the so-called Daigu uh, trade. This is where students and visitors, temporary workers from China, come to New Zealand. And are offering exporting often exporting things back into China in packaging individually um, using uh, AliExpress, Alibaba, um, AliPay, and WeChat to do it. And it's interesting to watch that A2 Milk, which is dependent on that Daigu channel to export um, infant formula into China, is having all sorts of problems now. Both Australia and New Zealand, that Daigu channel has really. Uh, shriveled up in recent uh, months as the uh, COVID-19 restrictions on travel with China have really um, affected trade there. And so I just thought it w- was worth having a closer look at um, what's going on in the Chinese uh, tech sector, um, both from an investment point of view and a geopolitical point of view, and there's a bunch of extra links to uh, background pieces in today's storm Chorus in the text version. Now, just watch out um, this morning. Other news that's breaking this morning in New Zealand. Uh, we've got um, the New Zealand Herald, Michael Nielsen's done a very good report looking at the vaccination rates in the various DHBs and how the Maori vaccination rates are really low compared to... The wider population, for example, in the likes of South Canterbury, Nelson, Marlborough, about half the vaccination rates everywhere else. Taranaki District Health Board has the worst of the lot, with just three point three percent of Maori um, vaccinated. Uh, you're seeing in the likes of the um, Auckland area just seven and a half percent of the uh, Maori population vaccinated, and in the Waikato, where they have a real problem again because of those computer issues, just 5.9% of the Māori population vaccinated. Now, this comes in tune, comes at the same time as we found out the um, big new first mass vaccination event at the Manukau Event Center this weekend was very poorly um, signed up for when it was first started. And for those who listen to my podcast on the spin off, uh, last Friday, you will have um, heard some of the concerns that uh, people close to those Māori communities are having, that the DHPs aren't really working very closely with local groups to make sure these mass vaccination events actually work. A particular problem with a reliance, uh, too much of a reliance on text messaging and online uh, booking systems, uh, and also not engaging with the community in a sort of a real way, the um, use, for example... Uh, uh, suggested overnight that the big mass vaccine action event should be seen as a community celebration, not just something you turn up for and get a shot for and walk out. Um, also watch out for a piece from Tom Puller-Strecker out today, citing um, a really strong attack by Catherine Rich of the Food and Grocery Council at Foodstuffs, in particular New World this is on the eve of um, the Commerce Commission's uh, first report into into the supermarket sector. This is the market study that we've all been waiting for. We'll get more information on that on Thursday, and I'll keep an eye on that. And a big report out in stuff this morning about um, this issue with the shortage of spaces in MIQ. Uh, a family there um, desperate to get their in-laws over from Britain to help out after an accident in a family. Just another example of how the shortage of space in MIQ and these ongoing border restrictions are affecting so many people in so many different ways, not just temporary workers coming in from overseas, but of course family reunifications and the like. Uh, Also, uh, just look out below too for my charts of the day, uh, citing some uh, interesting numbers out of uh, Tony Alexander's latest report, He surveyed mortgage brokers. He finds that the mortgage brokers are saying that investors, so rental property investors, are coming back into the market after the initial March 23 shock. And uh, even though some of those longer-term interest rates have uh, ticked up and many investors are now locking in at two, three-year periods, um, still plenty of uh, interest from uh, rental property investors. Those higher interest rates don't seem to be scaring them off too much. Although an uh, interesting um, response from Nick Goodall at CoreLogic who points out that actually compared to what we saw in two thousand and 16 uh, when there were fresh LVR restrictions so far the um, the demand seems to be slowing as well so we'll see whether that has too much of an effect. Okay that was the Dawn Chorus for July the 28th. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka.